Good morning. Good to see you as we begin this Lord's Day together and want to welcome those who are uh, visiting with us on live stream. We're recording this uh, session, Understanding Transgenderism, and uh, Alex is going to be leading us in just a moment. If you have not received a handout, Alex and Drew have those, and uh, Alex, if I could have one as well. So um, we've set aside this hour to have a conversation on something we probably don't even want to discuss on many fronts. And yet it's thrust before us every, every day and every uh, avenue of uh, West, the Western world, actually. Um, and so uh, we thought it would be important for us to get together and just be reminded of who we are as the people of God and that we want to, to be prophetic in our witness. So three C's I would hold out for us. One would be we would be people of conviction, that we see... Um, this uh, ongoing movement, this transgender movement as an assault against God's creative design. I think of Psalm 100 verse 3, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. And so um, we want to be people of conviction. We also want to be people of courage to speak the truth and love. And with that comes um, the third C, people of compassion. And so we want to give a gospel witness. We all struggle with different aspects of a sin nature. And um, we're hoping to understand that more fully this morning and to stand firm in the truth. We have a couple of resources that we want to bring to your attention. And they're in the second foyer. The first is called the Nashville Statement. And this was a, a document um, drafted by uh, faithful believers to outline um, a biblical sexuality that would include all of the uh, issues that are coming out of the LBGTQ plus uh, agenda and to give a biblical statement in the 21st century of our witness. I would urge you, pick up a copy of this and we're going to have it on the website uh, this week and you'll be able to link it there. But this is an important statement in thinking through what do I believe as a Christian? What does the word of God teach concerning a biblical sexual ethic and uh, biblical, biblical sexual um, uh, sexuality. Another is a book that we have uh, in the second foyer. Notice the size of it. Okay, notice. So I, we want you to have this by Vaughn Roberts, Transgender, and that is available. If you could do us a favor, if you get a copy, uh, put a couple dollars in the offering plate. That will offset the cost of this resource, uh, but don't let that deter you. We want you to have it and read it. So the Nashville Statement and Transgender by Vaughn Roberts. And also, we hope that this morning will generate conversations. If you're dealing with something in your work, if you're dealing with something in your family, we want to come together and support one another in prayer. And uh, ultimately, to, Jesus said that we're to be the light of the world. A city set on a hill um, cannot be hidden. And that our light is not, we're not to put a, bu a bushel basket over it, but to put it on a lampstand. And so we're hoping that from conversations like this, that we'll be equipped to speak truth where, where God leads us. One of the remarkable things about this body is in just a few hours, we'll be dismissing going so many places and that we would be equipped uh, to honor the Lord wherever we go. So why don't we have a word of prayer? And then Alex is going to come and um, lead us and a wonderful presentation that I th we think will be hard-hitting and um, enlightening. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we bow before you. We want to be salt. We want to be light. We want to be faithful in saying everything your word has to say. We're also mindful, Lord, of your compassion for sinners high and low, rich or poor, whatever, that all of us are in need of you. So I pray that you would equip us as the body of Christ to enter into fields of ministry that maybe we aren't even aware of right now, that, Father, you would help us to, to represent you well until we see you. Be with Alex as he comes, and may the Holy Spirit guide him, and may this be a great uh, moment of teaching and receiving from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 9. I kind of want to anchor uh, ourselves in Matthew chapter 9 as we begin uh, this morning. You should have a handout. 
Uh, if you would like that email, we just, of course could email that to you as well. Anything that we talk about today, uh, we'd be happy to provide through email uh, for you. Uh, but as we discuss this issue, uh, as Brother Jim mentioned, this is a very, uh, very timely issue, a very volatile subject um, in today's world, and that we want to have a biblical uh, and loving attitude and response and engagement uh, with it. Um, I, I, when I think about the verse, and uh, I want to read Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, uh, kind of our starting point for uh, today. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, speaking of Jesus here. He says, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so when, as we discuss uh, this issue over the next few moments uh, together, I, I, I want us to have that posture in mind. Uh, the Greek word there for compassion, uh, it's a very uh, interesting word, it's very deep. It, it really, it, the idea of conveying there is having pity in, in one gut. It's a very deep sense of pity and um, empathy for the person that's suffering. That's what Jesus is doing for the people that he's talking to, that's what we ought to do as well. And so as we begin our, our discussion uh, today, I, I, I want to know that even though you personally may not be struggling with this, you may know someone that is, uh, also there is a possibility that there are some of us in this room who are very much struggling with the idea of uh, being, um, they might say something like, I, I, when I look in the mirror, I feel like I was born in the wrong body. That might not be a sentence that you've ever thought, but for someone in this room it might very well be. And so when we uh, talk about this, uh, I want to, I'm hoping that we can take the posture of Jesus who communicated both in truth and in love without compromising the other. Communicate both truth and love without without compromising either one. Also too, before we get started, I wanted to note, uh, just in case it needed to be said, that even though we, we, you personally may not be dealing with this issue, uh, this issue of uh, uh, this form of brokenness, we're all broken. And so we all share the com- a common denominator in the sense that we all know what it's like to be broken, and we all know what it's like to be a savior. Oh, to need a savior, rather, not be a savior, certainly not that. We all know what, it, what it's like to need a savior. And so because we all know what it's like to need a savior, there, there ought to be no room, nobody, none of us, especially myself, none of us, who are standing on some sort of moral high ground because somebody else sinned differently than I do. And so we are all at equal footing at the cross. And so with that idea in mind, with that reality in mind, uh, I wanted to, to look at this over the next few moments together. wanted to have a biblical perspective. And uh, I, I think uh, Jim alluded to a few moments ago, when we have, whenever the conversation comes up, what we're sometimes told is that we have to accept someone for who they are. We have to accept someone for who they are. Now, what that typically means, in my experience, has been that means you must approve everything that somebody does. If you're going to accept something, someone for who they are, that means you must approve of everything that they do. And, we, and in good conscience, we just can't do that. That loving someone means t- t- telling the truth, not speaking falsehood, not speaking lies. And so we can absolutely accept someone as they are, but we want to point them to Christ. We want to say, I'm meeting you where you are, we're going to have this conversation, I'm going to love you, I'm going to serve you, but I'm going to point you to Christ. I'm going to point you to Christ. And so this conversation goes far beyond gender. It's, It's rooted in a proper understanding of what does it mean to be made in the image of God? What does that even mean? So, with that, let's begin. How do we get here? 2023 is March 19, 2023, and this conversation comes up quite everywhere. Uh, in 2020, uh, President Joe Biden said that the trans, and I quote here, trans rights are civil rights issues of our time. Trans rights are the civil rights issue of our time, which is no, um, which is no small statement. And so this idea of what it means to be transgender, what it means to have rights that are protected uh, by, by virtue of being transgender is no small discussion. But what's interesting is that 15 years ago, this conversation that we would not be, have done, likely not have been doing what we're doing right now 15 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. 
So the question then is, how did we get to that? What changed? And there's a really interesting book called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, written by a guy named Carl Truman. Carl Truman is probably in the early 50s, if I had to guess. And in the, in the opening pages of this book, he talks about his grandfather. And he says that his grandfather, who, if his grandfather would have heard the statement, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body, his grandfather would have had no idea what he was talking about. Like that, wouldn't, that wouldn't have registered in his brain. And so Carl was asking the question, okay, how do, we, how do we get to where not only does that statement make sense now, like we get that, we can, we can understand that, even if we have trouble with it, we get it. How do we get to where, in a, a previous generation, not in the far too distant past, how do we get to from that to where not only do we understand it, but the society is also approving it, and, it, and again, it, it's an all, seemingly all spirit of society. What, what explained that change? And so we spent the entire uh, book talking about that. To give you an example of that, uh, in June 2021, which is, the, uh, which is called Pride Month, um, the NFL, every organization comes out with some sort of advertisement, uh, usually changing their logo to the rainbow flag of some sort, and they'll come out with some sort of advertisement. I want to show you one that the NFL ran back in 2021. So the idea that that was ran, uh, popular, went viral, I'm sure, on, on uh, YouTube and social media. But the fact that we live in a world where that, all those statements, um, like we get. Like, what exactly did it mean for football to be queer? That's an interesting, I mean, that's an interesting discussion uh, to have. Um, but like, like that, that ad was ran, uh, and every year um, some organization, a number of organizations run ads that are like that. Again, how do we get to where that makes sense? What I also want to point out, if you're not familiar, uh, at the very end of that advertisement, uh, that promotion matter, um, you saw what we call the Trevor Project. And that is an organization that the NFL um, appears to have partnered with. And Trevor, the Trevor Project is a nonprofit advocacy group primarily for LGBTQ, what they would call at-risk teens. And the idea behind that is that if, if you have a minor um, specifically a teenager, but a minor of some sort who uh, struggles with their gender identity. The Trevor Project is a, um, a home base of sorts for teenagers to reach out and get some sort of help. Usually that means some sort of support for them and, and affirming this new gender identity. And um, what's, what's interesting about that is that it assumes that if the youth is a Firm. And by that, what I mean is, when an affirmation in this sense is, if you are a woman and you feel that you're a boy, affirmation means you go forward with being a boy. That's what affirmation means in this context, okay? That's important to remember. So what, they're, what they believe is that if you affirm that, then, that, then you'll be safe. You'll be at, you'll be at a lower risk for, uh, for suicide in particular. But what's interesting about that is, for uh, as far as I can tell, any sort of alternative, such as maybe seeking counseling to help your mind reconcile what, what your body is, to, to see you like God created you, any sort of counseling like that seems to be dismissed out of hand. That instead, we want to go forward with moving forward, moving forward in that affirmation of that new identity, whatever it happened to be. Last, 20, uh, last June, again, uh, that was 2021, June 2022, um, again, Pride Month, uh, more and more uh, organizations uh, and companies came out for Pride Month, just to give you one of many examples. The Brooklyn Nets, for any basketball fan, spread love. It's the, it's the Brooklyn way. Happy Pride Month. Now, for those of you who have been, who've been engaged in this conversation for a while, you might recognize the Pride flag, which is typically, traditionally, it's been the rainbow flag. But over the past couple of years, it's been at, they've been added on uh, more things. You'll notice on the left side, yeah, left side, uh, there are more flags that have been added. And so uh, this is something, something that Jim talked about in the pulpit, that it should, when you have the plus, it should keep moving on and on. And it doesn't, it doesn't ever stay put. Uh, Disney, on the other side, says, this Pride Month and beyond, the Walt Disney Company stands with the LGBTQIA plus community and its allies 
by proudly supporting storytelling that is inclusive, diverse, and authentic. Hashtag Pride365. So if you ever wondered if Disney had a viewpoint on this, they very much certainly do. Very much certainly do. So again, just a few years ago, this society wouldn't, uh, excuse me, this conversation in the society would not have made uh, much sense at all. So if we can try to maybe calibrate what is uh, the numbers, kind of put some numbers on this. How many transgender people are there? According to the William Institute, 1.6 million people over the age of 13 identify as transgender in the U.S. If you imagine, if you, I think the, the last estimate of like around 300 million or so in, in the country. So um, statistically speaking, a very small amount, very small amount. 1.3 million identify as uh, transgender, uh, as, adult, as adults in that case. Uh, 39% are transgendered women. 36% are transgendered men. So a transgendered woman is a biological male who identifies as a female. And then vice versa. For a transgender man, is a biological female who identifies as a male. Interestingly enough, 18% of people who identify as transgender are teenagers. So about one in five of all transgender people in the country are teenagers. And what's also interesting is that when it comes to uh, demographically speaking, you see the difference in states. So you have different cultures in different states. So for example, in New York, 3% uh, of teenagers in New York identify as transgender. But in Wyoming, a much different state, uh, 0.6. So about half a percentage point. So it's interesting demographically to look at the breakdown of that. So, but where did the conversation start? Now, there's an argument we made that's been going on for a long time, and there's a strong argument we made about that. But as far as our, for our purposes today, I want to point you back to 2015. And in 2015, Bruce Jenner uh, came out as transgender, and he came out as uh, uh, a woman. He said he identified as a woman. And then later on, he, had, he changed his name to Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, just to go ahead and let you know, I'm going to I'm going to refer to Bruce Jenner as Caitlyn Jenner because he legally changed his name to Caitlyn Jenner. However, because he, you cannot change your gender, I will still refer to him as a male. But for our time together today, uh, because he changed, he legally changed his name to Caitlyn Jenner. I'll refer to him as such. But Jenner, who, if you were um, a child or a college, a college student of the 70s in particular, uh, you would have been familiar with Jenner, who was an American uh, idol and, and before the show. Uh, very much popular, very much, uh, uh, very successful. Um, in 2017, he changed his name to Caitlin Marie, and it's a really groundbreaking um, uh, issue of uh, Vanity Fair. But in 2015, he had this interview with Diane Sawyer, and that's kind of where the conversation started. So 2015, he had the conversation uh, with Diane Sawyer, and then 2017, he came kind of forward and said, call me Kate, come down with a book as well. But here's what's interesting, this is a long quote, but I want you to hear what he says here. Here's what he said, this is back in 2015 with Diane Sawyer. He says, I've been thinking about this day forever, and what I should do with my life, how do I tell my story, how do I tell people what I've been through? And that day is today. I need the tissues. It's going to be tough, but today's the day. Be honest with myself. Obviously, I've been honest with my family, everybody involved. It's been really tough. But here I am. I'm still here. That's the good news. Any, any motion, kind of motion to Diane at this point? I've had, he said, I've had all my, my, my kids sitting in that chair across from him. And I've tried to explain it to him this way. God looking down, making little Bruce, okay? He's looking down and he says, okay, what are we going to do with this one? Make him a smart kid, very determined. And he gave me all these wonderful qualities. And at the end, when he's just finishing, he goes, wait a second, we've got to give him something. Everybody has stuff in their life that they have to deal with, you know? What are we going to give him? God looks down and chuckles a little bit and says, hey, let's give him the soul of a female and let's see how he deals with that. You know, so here, here I am, stuck. And I hate that word, girl stuck in a guy's body. I hate that terminology. I'm me. I'm a person and this is who I am. I'm not stuck in anybody's body. It's just who I am as a human, as a human being. 
My brain is much more female than it is male. By the way, you can't say that now. That statement, you can't say. That there's such a thing as a female brain or a male brain. Back to another conversation. Uh, back in 2015, you could. My brain's much more female than it is male. It's hard for people to understand that, but that's what my soul is. I look at it this way. Bruce was always uh, telling a lie. He lived a lie. He lived a lie his whole life about who he is, and I can't do that anymore, any longer. So Diane Sawyer asked him, are you a woman? And he says, um, yes, for all intents and purposes, I am a woman. People look at me differently. They see you as this macho male, but my heart and my soul and everything I do in life is part of me. That female side is part of me. It's who I am. I was not, I would not genetically born that way. And as of now, have all the male parts, but all that and all that kind of stuff. So in a lot of ways, we're different, but we still identify as female. And that's very hard for Bruce Jenner to say, because why? I don't want to disappoint people. That was 2015 with Diane Sawyer. I hope it's really interesting, especially for the last part. Uh, he, came, he came out with a book uh, sometime after that. And in that book, he, it, it's, really, it's really hard to read, very sad to read, because you, you get a sense of a man who's very much in anguish. Uh, he talked about when he was competing in the Olympics, he would go home to his, ho- he would go to his hotel after the races and put on uh, women's clothes and stuff like that. And, but what's interesting is all throughout the book, he, talk, he, has this, he keeps repeating how he doesn't want to disappoint people. Don't want to disappoint people. Don't want to disappoint people. And so you see, you get a, a real sense of, man, he, he's really struggling. And he also says this. He talks about how when he, he hopes that when he gets to heaven, that God will let him in. Here's what he says. He says, when that day comes and you go up to the pearly gates and you're walking up the stairs and you, you're seeing God in front of you and you just ask that question, did I do a good job? Did I do the right thing? And should hope he says, hey, come on in. And so you get this very real sad reality that he is trying to earn affection, earn salvation, maybe we can use that word. And, it, and, it, and he, he's a man who's hurting. He's a man who's very much hurting. So that was 2015. So since then, the T and LGBTQ plus has very much spread like wildfire. We see it everywhere. Um, going back to North Carolina a couple years ago with the infamous bathroom bills to uh, all fourth levels, you have biological men who are competing with biological women and, and just trouncing them, uh, track, um, uh, cr- I think I've seen uh, maybe cricket, some other contact sports, rugby. Uh, if you can think of it, it, can, it pretty much happened. Uh, you also have teenage, gr- predominantly teenage girls uh, who are identifying as men, usually in friend groups too, by the way. Sometimes it happens on their own, but it often happens where teen girls together, they say, hey, we all identify as a different gender, and so we collectively are going to have surgery. We're going to get double mastectomies, which cannot be reversed, and we're going to get uh, hormones, we're going to get testosterone, we're going to grow facial hair, we're going to change our voices, so on and so forth, they do, and they often do it together as well. But even though this started back in 2015, Jenner was not the first. For those uh, who have been on Facebook for a while, Facebook, back in 2015, before this interview, Facebook, they came out with this statement that you could add your own pronoun. We'll get to pronouns in just a moment. But they said you can add your own pronoun and add your own gender identity. And they they came up with like a pre-populated list of pronouns and gender identity, and if you didn't like any of those, you could come up with your own. 2015, about eight years ago, right about this time. Since then, other big names have come out, a transgender, you have Laverne Cox, who's an actor uh, in a very popular show called Orange is the New Black. You also have Jad Jennings. Jad Jennings is currently 22 years old, is a trans woman, again, a biological male who identifies as a female. What's really interesting about Jennings is Jennings has basically been in the public face uh, his entire life. Um, about five or six years old, he came out, him and his family. And uh, back in 2007, he was six years old, came out uh, as transgender, and he was in an ABC documentary with Barbara Walters. Um, and ever since then, he kind of been in the public face, had his own show, he's written a couple books for kids. Uh, Jennings had a show, uh, yeah, uh, in its eighth season, and he had had what, what called um, gender-confirming surgeries. He had three of those. Gender-confirming surgeries. 
And that includes what they call a bottom surgery, pretty self-explanatory, or as uh, Jenner called it, Caitlin Jenner called it, the final surgery. And again, you can figure out what that is. You'd have to read those. I'll, I'll talk more about that in just a moment. So how do we understand the terms? How, 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 what, what are, we need to define our terms before we move forward. So we, we know the acronym. We're familiar with the acronym LGBTQ. How many of those do you know, by the way? How long did it go? Go to plus on there. But it's, it's difficult to keep up with because uh, it literally quite changes all the time. If, you're not, if you don't know, LGBTQIA plus stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer slash questioning, intersex, asexual. Asexual means that you don't feel sexual attraction to either sex. Since then, it's expanded, and, and uh, this is from a source, um, this is from a source uh, online. It's expanded to ally, someone who supports the movement, but doesn't necessarily identify as someone in the movement. You're, just, you're, you're friendly to it. Pansexual, which means that you, you have sexual attraction for all genders. Uh, there's a very famous um, uh, celebrity named Demi Lovato, who identified as pan pansexual. Androgynous, which means you have both male and female traits. Genderqueer, which means that you're, it's, a, it's used for those with none, both, or a combination of genders. You have two-spirit, which is very interesting. Uh, two-spirit, which is used typically, again, in this ideology, uh, used by Native Americans to describe a third gender. You have demisexual, which describes someone that requires an emotional bond to form a sexual attraction. That's an interesting one. Demisexual means that you have to have an emotional bond before you're sexually attracted to anybody. Now, up until 10 years ago, that's just been dating. That's all that means. But they, 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 they slapped a new, they put a new label on it. Polyamorous, term for those who are open to multiple, multiple consensual, romantic, or sexual relationships at one time. And at the very bottom, and it's kind of hard to see, maybe on the picture, on the very bottom it says this list is not exhaustive, and we can, we, we can add more. And they do. They do. So, divine how are the terms? Get the term sex. And again, I'm defining these terms as used within this ideology. And they, and they distinguish between sex and gender. It's a very new thing, relatively recent thing. But um, sex means our genetic makeup, it's our biology. So men have XY chromosomes, whereas women have XX chromosomes. Typically speaking, of course there are exceptions to the rule, typically speaking, men have broader shoulders than women, of course there are exceptions to that rule. Men typically have deeper voices, but at a biological, the biological level, there's a fundamental distinction between men and women. At the genetic level, to the fact that women can give birth and men cannot, which is something that's very much contested today. You'll, you'll often hear that men can give birth. But uh, what you might also hear in today's uh, um, vernacular is this idea of sex assigned at birth. Sex assigned at birth. And so if you apply to a college right now or if you apply for some sort of loan or any kind of thing where you're filling out information about yourself, you might see something like sex assigned at birth. And that idea, what, what the idea behind that is that when you were born, the doctor delivered you and they looked at you and they said, okay, this is a boy, this is a girl, based on your external appearance. Now, it's, what's interesting about that, though, is that it's assigned. Don't miss that. It's not sex discovered at birth. Instead, the idea here is that the doctor looked at you and said, we'll go with boy. <laughs> so they're assigning birth. And so here, the idea is that we're going, you're going to reclaim that for yourself and identify as something else. We also have gender. Now, gender um, is defined as attitude, feeling, or behaviors that a given culture associates with a person's biological sex. And again, up until about 10 years ago, sex and gender were just synonyms. They were interchangeable, two sides of the same coin, uh, but, but very much uh, ex um, separated uh, now. Then we have gender identity. Gender identity is one of the new terms. And the idea behind this is that the self-perception of somebody 
is what determines what they are. The physical, and this is so important, do not miss this. The physical body, in this, again, in this movement, the physical body does not matter. Does not matter. And all that matters is what you identify as. The physical makeup and everything you can think of with that does not matter. So, for example, when Caitlyn Jenner won at least two Women of the Year awards, at least two, I can think of ESPN for sure, and I think one other one, he won Woman of the Year. He had not yet undergone what he called the final surgery, the bottom surgery. But even if he did, it doesn't matter because you can't change your genes. But, he, but if, let's, let's just go with this and just say, okay, he, he had the final surgery. He didn't even have the final surgery yet, and he still won Woman of the Year twice. So the physical body does not matter. All that matters is that you identify as such, and if you identify as that, that means you are that thing. So this idea is very much not new as well. A very influential philosopher in the 1940s named Simone de Beauvoir, a French philosopher. Here's what she said. The female is a woman insofar as she feels herself as such. Nature does not define woman. It is she who defines herself by, by reclaiming nature for herself and her affectivity. And affectivity means uh, the emotion of the mind. So all that matters is what you identify as. The body does not matter. Which is why when my beautiful wife was pregnant with our beautiful daughter and one of her checkups, the doctor asked her, and I quote, do you feel like a woman today? She's pregnant, and the doctor, some, whoever it was that she saw, asked her, do you feel like a woman today? But again, all that matters. The physical makeup does not matter. All that matters is what you feel, is what you identify as. So you have gender identity, then you have what's called gender dysphoria, and this is, what, this is why I started with, uh, with Caitlyn Jenner. This, some, this appeared to be someone from what it looks like from my perspective anyway, someone who struggles with gender dysphoria. And what that is, that, that this is when someone, uh, their gender identity doesn't match up with their biological sex. What they see in the mirror doesn't match up with reality. Their mind doesn't match their body. And so there's this very deep anguish over it. And this is a real thing. It's a real di diagnosable condition. Uh, people who struggle with this are not making it up. Some, some are. I don't, I don't doubt that some are. But this is a legitimate medical issue, a legitimate medical condition that psychologists, the people in psychiatry and all that, they, they diagnose. They feel that their body is lying to them. Another uh, term, a transgender. This is an umbrella term um, for the state of con or condition of identifying or expressing a gender identity that doesn't match somebody's sex. And so they have this gender, they have a tension, but again, their body says one thing, their mind says another, and unfortunately what tends to happen, especially with teenage girls, is their uh, boys and girls, is that they take puberty blockers, which is very much what it sounds like, puberty blockers, which is chemical that you put in your body to stop your, your body from naturally undergoing puberty. They'll take testosterone, they're putting chemicals in their body to stop the body from doing what, what, what it naturally God designed it to do. Changes their voice. So oftentimes, uh, you can't undo that. So, so even, if, even if women get off testosterone, um, they still have facial hair. Uh, they'll lose, they'll lose their hair. They'll get male, like that male pattern baldness kind of stuff. Uh, changes their voice. It's very sad. Then, again, but I think before we move forward, we also have what they call cisgender. Cisgender is one who identifies as the sex they were assigned at birth, which is the majority of people. You have trans man, a woman who transitions into a man, a trans woman. You have a, a man who transitions into a woman. Then you have another category called intersex. And intersex is a very interesting uh, one. Intersex, it, up until now, we basically talk about uh, your mental state. You identify as something. Intersex, by contrast, is something that is a physical condition. An intersex can be defined as this. Uh, it's a very small percentage of people who are born with genitals that are ambiguous or not fully formed due to some sort of genetic or hormonal abnormalities. 
And as a result, doctors may not be quite sure. To bear it a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of people who, who this does happen to. And so the standard treatment was to assign a sex in that regard and administer hormones and plastic surgery to, to bring that child in line with gender expectation. Um, it's a very, very small number. And so if you ever have a conversation with somebody and they say, okay, well, what about intersex people? They very much exist, very small number, but when you were in grade school and your teacher told you, how many fingers did you have? 10, right? How many toes do you have? 10. A couple years ago, I was gonna hire a guy to paint our house. And there was a contractor, somebody referred him to me and I, I met him and he had two thumbs on one hand. He had three total. It was the wildest thing ever, because he'd be thinking, he'd just go like this, and he would cradle his nose and his thumb. It was, it was the craziest thing. Uh, it, was, it was amazing. And now, we don't tell people when you're in grade school, we don't tell them you have three thumbs. You tell them they have two thumbs, and some people have three. Well, I didn't know that until that guy. But there are, there are exceptions. Intersex is the same thing. The standard is, it's very clear, whether it's a boy or a girl. But there are some very rare cases, just like three thumbs, where there's a difference there. Uh, um, Tim Walker mentioned uh, intersex is a physical condition, while transgender is a, uh, Andrew Walker, excuse me, is a psychological condition. Psychological condition. So where, th these are where, th these, are, these are the, the terminology that we need to understand. These are, this is the terminology that we need to understand. Now, as we move forward, there's a lot I want to cover, but as we move forward, I wanted, I wanted to see, there's, there's two different ways that uh, we need to under, understand the, the transgender uh, ideology, and, and if there's nothing else that you catch, I hope that you catch this. I hope that you catch this. That when we think, when there's two moves that are being made, two moves that are being made, and I hope that you catch this if you catch nothing else. That number one, there's a rejection, there's a rejecting of something, and there's affirming something else. So you're rejecting one thing, you're affirming something else, and it plays. And the first thing is that you reject, in this movement, there's a rejection of what we might say objective truth. Rejecting objective truth. That truth is just relative, truth is in the eye of the beholder, what's true for you is true for you, what's true for me is true for me, who you tell me otherwise. And so, yeah, what's called postmodernism. And postmodernism rejects the idea that any kind of uh, objective truth exists. Again, it's all about your personal preference. Now, there are two ways of viewing reality. Two ways of viewing reality. And I'm going to give you the technical term, and then I'll give you a picture. The two words are mimesis and poiesis. Mimesis and poiesis. Um, let me give you the picture. The first one is called, we might say, is the puzzle box. So if you are a Jigsaw puzzle fan, whenever you put the puzzle together, you have your puzzle box as your reference, and you put the puzzle pieces according to the box. There's a, there's a given structure of how that puzzle ought to be, ought to be done. If you were to deviate from that, you're not really doing the puzzle, you're just, putting, you're just mashing things together. There's a given order to that puzzle. You can't deviate away from that. On the other hand, we might have what we call the cardboard box. Now, I don't know how well, it might be hard to see, but that cardboard box was taken in our living room uh, some time ago, and for a while, one of my son's favorite books was this book called Chicka Chicka Boom Boom. And the whole point of this book is you have this coconut tree, it's a very fascinating book. This coconut tree, and you learn about the letter, and each letter goes up the coconut tree, Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, oh no, all this stuff, right? And so my son, favorite book, we read it like every night, and my wife, one day, um, they were, I guess, talking about the book or something, and we had this Amazon package, and so Hannah, in her artistic ability, drew a coconut tree on this cardboard box. And so for all intents and purposes, for Carter, for a couple of weeks, for our son Carter, that was no longer a cardboard box. That was a coconut tree. And so we, we should played along with it. We did the book, and you know, we talked about all that stuff. What we did is we took the raw material, the cardboard box, and we changed it into something else for my now four-year-old son. So when it comes to reality and understanding reality, again, this is so important. When it comes to the transgender movement, when we look at what life is, 
the question that we have to ask is, is there a given structure, a given order to things, like the puzzle box? Or is life basically just a big sandbox, and we can just make it whatever we want it to be? That there is no given structure, there is no given order to things. Again, bodies don't matter. And so I can make it to whatever I want it to be. To give you, another, to give you an example of that, Camille Paglia is a very influential thinker. She, uh, she herself is a lesbian, and I, and I only point that out to say that I kind of, it kind of un, get, understand where she's coming from with this quote. She says, fate, not God, has given us this flesh. We have absolute claim to our bodies, and we may do with them as we see fit. So again, the idea is we can do whatever we want. The body doesn't matter. There is no ultimate structure to things. There's nobody from above telling no God. No, we can do whatever we want. The body doesn't matter. It's the cardboard box. And so at a fundamental level, when we're having this conversation with somebody about this, we have to ask that question. Okay, how are we viewing reality? Is life a puzzle box or is it a cardboard box? Is it a, sand, is it a sandbox? Because how you answer that question, you, you come up to wildly different conclusion. And so whenever you're having a conversation with somebody, you need to keep that in the, in the back of your mind. You have uh, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance against defamation, again, defined define in the term. The transgender is a, a term used to describe people whose gender identity differed from the sex they were assigned at birth. And gender identity, again, it, it, it's a sandbox view, that you can just change it to whatever you want it to be. It doesn't matter. And so when we reject objective truth, we can believe things like men can get pregnant. In 2018, 2018, one example, Helpline website argued that, yes, men can get pregnant. Here are their words. Yes, it is possible for men to become pregnant and give birth to children of their own. In fact, it's probably a lot more common than you think. In order to explain, we'll need to break down some common misconceptions about how we understand the term man. Not all people who were assigned male at birth, there's that word, identify as men. Those who, are, those who do are cisgender men. And so when I think about this, that statement, what comes to mind for me is Psalm chapter 2. In Psalm chapter 2, you have the psalmist who talk about how, how the people have rebelled against God and have, have rebelled against the God who created them, that the nation rage. And in verse 3, it says, let them burst their bond apart and cast away their cords from us. And so our society looks at the restriction, at the limit that God placed on us and says, no, let's do away with that. Sandbox. Cardboard box. We need to deal with them. We, we can create ourselves however we want. The body does not matter. And I'm reminded of what Rankin, and, and in response to that idea, Rankin Wilborn, in a wonderful book called Union with Christ, if you've not read it, I would encourage it. He said, against the prevailing mindset of our day, that you are what you make of yourself, union with Christ tells you that you can discover your real self only in relation to the one who made you. You are not, you cannot be self-made. Union with Christ tells you that you can only understand that you are in communion with God and others, and that is a wildly countercultural claim. So here's the question as we... Um, Sorry, I'm out of time. But here's the, here's the question that uh, I want to ask as well. It, and talk about the language. What kind of language should we be using in this conversation? What do we call women, for example? Simple question. What do you call a woman? What is a woman? Which you might often hear today, that in the effort to be inclusive, and I, and I promise you I'm not making these up, instead of pregnant women, you will often hear pregnant people. Just be on the lookout for that. You'll hear that. You'll hear birthing people. You will hear egg producers. You will also see a shift between distinguishing people and transgendered women, which again, a biological man as women. You'll see a, a shift between transgendered women and just female. It's a really interesting bait and switch. Here's an example of one. So Rachel Levine, if you're not familiar, Rachel Levine um, is part of uh, President Biden's cabinet at the U.S. Assistant Secretary for Health. Uh, since 2021, uh, Rachel Levine is a transgender woman, a biological male identifying as a female. Now, what's interesting is when President Biden nominated him to his position, 
it was noted that he was the first transgendered federal official confirmed by the U.S. Senate. Groundbreaking. Now, here's what's interesting. It's, it mentioned trans. It, it talked about trans over and over, the transgender, transgender, transgender woman. But then, later on, in 2021, it says that he was, he was sworn in as the first four-star female officer. No longer transgender. Female. Biological male, identifying as a female. A couple years ago, what I was being distinguished as such, and it still is actually, this was a, this was a transgendered person, but now it's just female. The lines have been blurred. Uh, the NPR, the New York Times, and Washington Post all use the same exact language. And last year, uh, Levine was named as one of USA Today's Women of the Year. And you know what his main message was? If you look up the article, it kind of gives you like a little headline. His main message, be true to yourself. The sandbox. How should we use pronouns? Another question. So, how, kind of like, again, under the heading of language, how should we use pronoun? Pronouns are really important. Let's imagine that I'm talking about Brother Jim, and I say that after church today, Brother Jim, because he is an enlightened man, him and his wife are going to go to Chipotle. And I say that Jim, I talk about them to you, and I say, you know, he got the burrito, and she got the bowl. How do you know who I'm talking about? Well, the he refers to Jim, and the she refers to Quinn. So pronouns are really important. But now, in today's world, we're distinguishing, excuse me, we're confusing, rather, what pronouns are. You can literally make up your own pronoun. You can make up your own. Uh, just two days ago, I registered to take a test online, and they asked me for my name, my address, so on and so forth, and it gave me a list of pronouns that I can use, or if I want to make a uh, gender identity that I can use, or I can make up my own. Um, how many pronouns are there? It's, quite, it's literally an infinite number. Just to give you a couple of examples, uh, Time Magazine last August ran a story about Maya Kobebe, I, I might be pronouncing that wrong, but her book was pulled because it was called uh, Pornographic, it was rough, um, and so it shouldn't be accessible to minors because they were pulling out of libraries. But I want you to notice how they wrote about this person. It says, Time spoke to genderqueer author and illustrator Maya about air work, the effort, the effort to restrict access to air writing, and what A make of the current cultural moment. Unless it needs to be, should, in case it needs to be said, this is not just some tenure writing that. This is one of the top publications in the country. Uh, LSU had a resource for how we should use pronouns. You have a standard he and she, you have they, which is the third person uh, pronoun. Then you also at the bottom, you have Z, H I R, which is pronounced here, and then here, here, here's, and here's self. So move one is the rejecting of one thing. Move two is the accepting of something else. What are we? What is being accepted? Well, number one, very quickly, it, it's this idea of expressive individualism, which is this idea that we, we have to be authentic to ourselves. That's what um, that's what Rachel Levine said. Be true to yourself. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Be true to yourself because you know what's best for you. So again, this isn't new. Elsa from Frozen, after all, had a whole song about it. How'd that song go again? It's time for me, it's time to see what I can do to touch the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rule for me. I'm free. Even MasterCard promoting this. Being your true self is priceless. That's actually pretty clever, uh, the priceless part. But being your true self is priceless. Uh, going back to Jenner, wrote in his book, I have written this book to help us see there is no right way to be or wrong way to be or any way to be except who you are. Respectfully, for Caitlyn Jenner, I don't think he believes that. And here's why. I don't think anybody actually believes that, truly, consistently. And here's why. If a man has beaten his wife routinely and you confront him about it, 
And that person, that man said, wow, this is the way I am. Every time I see her, I just get angry, just start beating her. No one's going to say, oh, you're right, okay, I'm sorry about that. Just be who you are. We all, we all draw the line somewhere. So a good question is, why is this line of reasoning, this idea of being, being, being your true self, why is it accepted only in this one part, this one conversation about gender and sexuality, but not about how you treat your wives? That's an interesting question. And so again, this, move, this popularity for this movement would not have happened unless we already live in a society that are very much accepting of it. And because of this, you get this notion of my truth, with my truth defined reality. And so in June 2021, there's a football player named Carl Nassib who uh, played for the Buccaneers uh, and Raiders, among other teams. And he came out as uh, the first, he was the first active NFL player to come out of gay. Roger Goodell, who was the commissioner of the NFL, came out with a statement. Now, this is interesting because there's a, uh, listen, I love football. Why did, the, why did the commissioner of the NFL need to comment on this at all? What effect did it truly have on the quality of play on the field? But he felt like he needed to, because again, this is the society that we live in where you need to be able to comment on these things. And he talked about how he was proud, uh, um, um, he was proud of the, he said, I'm, the NFL family is proud of Carl for, for courageously sharing his truth today. We wish Carl the best of luck this coming season. For a couple of days after that, his, his jersey was the top selling jersey in the league. And the NFL matched uh, a $100,000 donation to the Trevor Project, which we mentioned earlier uh, this morning. In contrast to having your truth and your reality, let me echo the word of Matt Smeather, who said, fake freedom is be true to yourself. Real freedom, be true to your God. Again, cardboard box, puzzle box. What about the children, to the last main point? What about the children? This idea is heavily marketed to children, heavily marketed to children. Uh, Jad Jennings uh, already written a children's book. There was a child in, tw- in August of last year, excuse me, 2022. Yeah, last year. Uh, he was at 10 years old. 10 years old was praised as the youngest transgendered model at the New York Fashion Week runway. 10 years old. Got a lot of press over it. Laverne Cox, who I mentioned earlier from uh, Orange is the New Black, Laverne Cox had his own Barbie doll. Disney, again, is already opening, openly championing that. They're all for it. Uh, at, the top, at the top ranks, all for it. Uh, Cartoon Network spreads this as well. Netflix spreads this as well. So, parents of small children, do you know what your kids are watching? Netflix, YouTube, Cartoon Network, Disney. It's everywhere. And this idea of gender identity is being taught at all ages, from high school to elementary school. For example, you'll see what's called a gender-bred person. Gender-bred person. This is how it's marketed. The, the original version is the one on the left, the version one. Now it's on version four, which is the one on the right. They made some changes over the years. Um, could, could you check it out? There's also been a gender unicorn in, all, which is in, uh, in Canada. There's also been a gender elephant all basically communicating the same things. Uh, again, I mentioned the Cartoon Network a moment ago. Um, it says, if you can't read that text, it says, we can't tell someone gender just by looking at them. and shouldn't assume we know. There are many genders, identity beyond boy or girl. Some people don't identify any gender. Cartoon Network. And then, of course, again, teenagers are undergoing radical, radical, irreversible surgery to alter their bodies. But the question that is, is surgery even necessary? Is surgery necessary? Because again, on one side, you say yes, you hear yes, you have to, you have, to have this surgery. On, on another side, you don't. Here's what Jenner says. Jenner says, you don't physically have to do a single thing to be a trans man or woman. There is no rule book. Again, cardboard box. However, just a few pages later, he says, for me, and speaking only for me, the feeling is that if I'm going to do it, then I might as well do it. Every trans man or woman has his or her definition of authenticity. I want to look as physically a woman as I possibly can based on my own image. I will never feel like a woman if I don't have the surgery. So on one side, we're told, no, surgery doesn't matter, because again, the body doesn't matter. All that matters is what's in your head. 
or another tribe, or another moment where in, yeah, you need to have a surgery. Interestingly enough, Women's Health, of all places, Women's Health published an article and shared a, uh, an interview between Jad Jenny, that was a 22-year-old I mentioned earlier, that grew up in the spotlight, Jad Jenny, and uh, people, and he was talking about one of the surgeries that he had. Again, Jad Jenny is a biological male trying to identify the female, and so they're trying to do whatever cosmetic procedures to reflect that. And he talked about the difficulty that he had, a number of difficulty. And one of the reasons why he had difficulty is because he started transitioning very early on in life, at a small child. And because he started so early, his body didn't develop, and he didn't get enough tissue on the body part that they needed to take tissue from to reconstruct the female genitalia. And so he kept having issues come up, multiple surgeries that needed to happen. Here's what he said. This is Jenny talking. He said, there was just an unfortunate event and setback where things did come apart and there were a complication. I had to come back in for another procedure, but it was all just part of the journey. The good thing, though, is that it was only cosmetic and external, so it wasn't dramatic, too dramatic. Now, here's what's interesting about that statement, besides the fact that that's just awful um, and terrifying. He's also implicitly acknowledging there that any surgery that he does, it's just cosmetic. Because again, you can't change your sex. And, he, and he, he, he's implicitly saying that there. That he, try, he wants to undergo this surgery, but he's saying that I had all these difficulties, but it's okay. Because it's just cosmetic. So again, is surgery necessary or is it not? Again, Jenner says, you don't have to do a single thing physically to be a trans man or woman. It's all about what you want. Um, Paul McHugh, which would, uh, he would, um, the head of psychiatry at John Hopkins, uh, who was one, one of the top hospitals in the country, he initially was for surgery for uh, particularly uh, minors. And he, he found out that over the years that it wasn't doing what they thought they were going to do. They wasn't helping these children. Actually, actually many fact, uh, made, made things worse. In 2015, he wrote this. Transgendered men do not become women, and to, nor do transgender women become men. All, including Bruce Jenner, have become feminized men or masculinized women, counterfeits or impersonators of the sex with which they identify. Amen. You can't change it. Just last Sunday, a week ago today, was National D-Trans Awareness Day. And the idea behind that is that there have been all these people who have grown up in this. They took radical surgery to change their bodies. They weren't happy still, and so they started to detransition. So you have men who transition as women who are now living as their biological male self, and vice versa. Numerous people talk about this. Um, here's one example: a girl named Kari Stella. She was 17 years old. She talked about how she only had, I think, it was, I think it was three meetings with a doctor before she was prescribed um, medication, hormone blockers. She said this. And by the way, she said, I was totally affirmed in this. Everybody was for me. Nobody was against me on this. I had full support to move forward. When she was 17, she detransitioned at 22. She said this, when I went on testosterone, I wanted to change my name. Once I changed my name, I wanted a mastectomy. Once I had a mastectomy, I wanted a hysterectomy, bottom surgery, and so on and so forth. I could keep going and changing my body in search of the finishing, the finishing point, but I don't think it would have ever arrived. Transition didn't really make my dysphoria better. It just kind of kept moving the goalpost. So I felt like I was making progress, but I never got any closer to where I wanted to be or where I thought I wanted to be. And so there is it's this Sisyphean effort to reach satisfaction, and yet they can never get it. They think this surgery is going to do it, so they get it and doesn't do it. They think this surgery is going to do it, so they get it and doesn't do it. They're looking for fulfillment, satisfaction, but it can't do it because you can't change your sex. Finally, and moving forward, landing a plane, how do we love our neighbor? How do we love our neighbor? This is so important. Number one, we want to care for those who are hurting. We want to care for them. We want to be a people marked by love. We ought not look at somebody who's struggling in this way as a project to fix, but rather as a person to be loved. And again, I want to notice, I want to mention uh, Jenner again. People Jenner said, just as I admire women, I am also jealous of them. 
I feel that bubbling inside me, not because of the way they look, but because of how comfortable they seem and knowing I will never be able to feel that way. Just as I see how comfortable men are and knowing I will never feel that way either. I feel as if I am of no gender, trapped in the worst place to be, the middle. It's awful. We need to love people. We need to be a people marked by love. We need to bear each other's burdens. Number two, we need to be open about our own, our own sin and struggles that none of us have arrived. We may not be dealing with transgenderism ourselves, but we certainly, again, know what it's like to struggle with sin. I love how Walker put it. He said, you can never ask someone with gender dysphoria to shoulder their cross if you are not consciously carrying yours. As Billy Bauckham said, you can't say amen, say ouch. Number three, we must affirm God's design for humanity. Again, is life like a puzzle box or a cardboard box? Men and women are equal in value, something we talk about all the time. Equal in value, difference in roles. And here's what's interesting about that, about, the, about affirming God's design. When it comes to teenagers in particular, 80 to 95% of minors who struggle with gender dysphoria grow out of it. Let me say that again. 80 to 95% of teenagers who struggle, or children, who struggle with gender dysphoria, if they are not pushed forward in that struggle, they naturally grow out of it. We need to reclaim and stand on a biblical understanding of what it means to be made in the, in the, in the woman, as a man and a woman in the image of God. Number four, we must communicate our position well. Biblically, we're not based on our, our opinion on culture. We're based on our, our, our opinion on the word. Lovingly, with a, with a caring heart, patient, sympathetically. And, and then also, too, in person. But these kind of conversations, I don't think, are, are well served through... Facebook, on a, on a comment thread, or in a YouTube comment, or even through text, I would say. Having a face-to-face conversation over coffee, over a meal, whatever. Face-to-face conversation. And then finally, and most importantly, we want to point people to Jesus Christ. I mentioned, talked a minute ago, about how there's this, this yearning for fulfillment, this yearning for satisfaction, Ultimately, only Jesus can give that to them. In Matthew chapter 11, one of my favorite verses, Jesus says, Come all to me who are heavy, who are weary, labor, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what we ought to be known for. Pointing people to Jesus. We can't fix people. I can't fix anybody. But I know someone who can. And that's what we ought to do. Point to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. I just want to take uh, just a, a brief moment. Uh, I don't know about you, that was really sobering, wasn't it? Um, and I just uh, was thinking of Romans 1, where Paul begins that great letter with the down, downward spiral of humanity. And he, he says, For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see to fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteous unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. And then he lists the whole number of sins that are troubling. And he closes by saying, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And that is a world in which we live. And so what's our hope of that being that downward spiral being reversed? The same hope that has redeemed us and saved us. We're, we're not ashamed of the gospel. 
what God has done through Jesus Christ. And as we look at the whole transgender movement, the whole LGBTQ plus movement, it's an assault against God's creative design. Human autonomy, as Alex brought up in many illustrations, gone astray, children being mutilated. But what an opportunity for ministry. Uh, as you think of so many being deceived, you can't rationalize with sin. It's an insanity. But we can be ready. We can bear witness to what God's done for us as sinners. And what he's done for us, he can do for others. Thank you, Alex, for that labor of love and being able to walk through a difficult subject together. Let's bow together in prayer and we'll get ready for corporate worship. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. I would pray that you would help us to live as lights in this generation, that we would be faithful to Jesus Christ, the truth of your word, and the sinner's only hope. And it's in his name we pray.